You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Well, I have very bad news. Apparently, um, Jair Alexander is no longer going to be on the team. Uh, That is, according to uh, Packers Twitter, a cornerback got paid $20 million a year, and um, everyone is convinced of the same thing they've been convinced of for the last year, which is Jair has to go. I don't know where this comes from. I, I, I've been saying since day one, Jair is the number one priority. There, there's there's nobody else that matters more than Jair Alexander. They're going to get a deal done no matter what with Jair Alexander. There's no way he's off the team. Well, we can't afford him. He's, he's going to be, he's got to go. And then we didn't pay Devontae, right? So presumably, we couldn't afford him. There's no way. There's too many guys we have to pay, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then we save ourselves like $30 million by not having to pay Devontae. So clearly we have enough money, right? No, not according to a large portion of Packer fans. Well, we're, we're doomed. He's got to go. And then a guy makes a pretty mediocre amount of money, $20 million a year, which is really not that much. I mean, if wide receivers are getting 30 and corners are getting 20, corners are wildly devalued, which really goes into this whole conversation we've been having about how much the NFL wildly overrates wide receivers. Just just the, the idea that you would pay that much more for a wide receiver than a corner is absurd to me. But I, I, I don't know what we thought the cornerback market was to where now that we see that the market is around $20 million, we're like, oh, dude, he's got to go. He's got to go. Which, again, it's like we're just trying to find any reason we can to force him out the door, and I don't really understand it. Where does this come from? I, I, the other thing I don't understand is how we can simultaneously have heart palpitations about the idea that the Packers wouldn't draft elite players, right? What if, what if we draft guys and they're not good? What are we going to do? Well, I don't know, but I can tell you what we're going to do if we draft really good players. We're going to start whining about how we can't afford them and try to push them out the door. Sounds like the best thing we could possibly do is draft some pretty subpar, mediocre players that we can actually afford so that we don't have to draft good players and then have to let them go because we can't afford them. Dude, there's no universe. There is no world. There, there is no way on planet Earth that one of the most valuable human beings in the NFL, Jair Alexander, is going to be allowed to walk out the door because the Packers can't give up $20 million? Do you understand that's like nothing money these days? And by the way, I don't really even understand why people are freaking out about this like it's a big deal. Five years, $100 million contract extension for Denzel Ward. You got this article here. Cleveland Browns and quarterback Denzel Ward agree to a historic five-year, $100.5 million contract extension. What is historic about it? 
plays the highest paid ever. Jalen Ramsey signed a five-year, $100 million contract with the Rams like two years ago. (laughs) If you're asking me, I think Denzel Ward got ripped off. I'll be completely honest. I, I, this is the thing that's, I think there's just a massive disconnect here. I don't think Denzel Ward got a very big contract. I think the market for cornerback is significantly higher than that. Again, Jalen Ramsey got this amount two years ago. Top cornerback money has increased exponentially since then. Now, I don't know why the contracts have seemingly stagnated. I mean, you've got uh, Marshawn Lattimore didn't surpass him. He signed a contract. Xavier Howard signed a contract for $18 million a year. Granted, Xavier Howard is not Jair Alexander, who's kind of a He's 28 years old. He had kind of, I don't want to call him necessarily a one-year wonder, but I don't know that he has necessarily the upside. But if you're telling me that $20 million a year, which was the, the, again, two years ago, that was the ceiling. We're still at $20 million. That cornerback has stagnated. The NFL is stupid, and the Packers are doing backflips right now. They're doing freaking backflips that Denzel Ward didn't just sign a $24 million contract. I, 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 am I, am I missing something? What am I missing here? I don't understand the idea that Jair's camp is doing backflips and they're super excited and, 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 and man, oh man, Jair is just so happy right now. The cornerback market has stagnated for two years. This is not good news for Jair Alexander. The Packers are the ones doing backflips. 20 million, who cares about $20 million? I mean, there's literally a debate about what's more important between edge rusher and cornerback, and edge rushers are making about 30. Wide receivers are making 30. Cornerbacks shut them down. Cornerback is the most valuable position in terms of like dollar for dollar. There's no better value than a corner if a corner is $20 million. I mean, tackles are making 23, which again, tackles are super cheap. $23 million for a tackle. It's going to cost me what, 26, 27, 28 for a wide receiver? It's going to cost me 30 for an edge rusher. Give me a tackle in a corner all day long. I mean, it's, it's the exact same value. <laughs> a tackle is just as important as an edge rusher because essentially they serve the same function, just on the opposite side of the coin. I don't know if it's just flashier. You got, you, you got guys that make the, the splashy plays, and then you got guys that stop teams from making the splashy plays. You know, wide receivers and edge rushers, touchdowns and sacks. But I'll tell you what, if that's where the NFL's at right now, give me tackles and corners all day long. And no, Jair is, I mean, I don't, I don't know what he's at. He might still be asking for 25. I don't know, but he ain't getting it. And that sucks for him. So I am completely lost on where everybody is just freaking out about, I can't believe he got 20 million. Again, Jalen Ramsey got 20 million per year over five years, two years ago. Am I the only human being on earth that has Google or what? I don't, under, I don't get it. Or do we just run with narrative? Like, oh, big number. <laughs> do we have any perspective on the number? It's, it's sort of that, that whole conversation about relative. Do we remember relative? Big, big number. Yes, compared to my salary, it's a big number. I mean, if it was 20 million Oreos, also a really big number. Like, that's a lifetime supply. They're going to go stale pretty fast. In fact, for most things, 20 million is big number, especially when you talk about 100 million total. That's just per year. But if we talk relative to value, relative to the salary cap, relative to edge rusher, relative to cornerback or to wide receiver, it's a low number. Relative to what the top was two years ago, it's a low number. 
In fact, if you take DeAndre Hopkins out of the equation, because again, that was a fake contract, the highest contract signed in 2020 was Keenan Allen at $20.25 million a year. So wide receiver and corner in 2020 were both at $20 million in 2020. Wide receiver has surpassed that and gone to 30. Cornerback is still at 20. Stephon Diggs signed a $24 million contract. Devontae Adams, 28. Again, I don't know how real all that money is. Tyreek Hill, 30. I'm sorry, that's all stupid. There's no way. Wide receiver is overvalued, but cornerback is undervalued. And that is going to work to the advantage of the Green Bay Packers, who are going to lock up Jair Alexander for, may, you know, they could offer him $20 million, $21 million. He has no option but to sign it. Because the NFL doesn't care. He's got no market. Outside of 21, what's he going to do? Hold out and be like, I'll go somewhere else and get what, 20? We will happily pay you $21 million. And, and to be clear, give me Jair over Devontae Adams any day of the week. No, no offense to Devontae, but just based on, on the age and the value of the position. Jair's the guy. I've been saying that since last year. There is nobody on the team more important, and that includes Aaron Rodgers. If you had to pick a player... If you have to pick one, you don't get rid of Jair to keep Aaron Rodgers for another year or two. You don't do that. You don't get rid of Jair to keep Devontae Adams. The only guy maybe you're keeping over him would be a guy like Rashawn Gary. You don't keep David Bakhtiari over Jair Alexander. The two most valuable players on this team are Jair Alexander and Rashawn Gary. All this hemming and hawing about, oh, he's about to go, oh, da 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 I, I, It makes zero sense to me. Whatsoever. Foolishness. Well, we don't have any money. Yeah, It's amazing how we had enough money to sign Devontae, but we don't have enough for Jair. And s- since last year, we don't have enough money. We don't have enough money for, for Aaron Rodgers, but yet we signed him. And by the way, the Packers were trying to sign Devontae, and we're always going to sign Jair on top of it. And again, they didn't sign Devontae. So they have all of that money still available to them. Granted, this is going to be the, the most cold take in human history if they don't sign Jair, but... Uh, there, there's no reason whatsoever. There's no information to point me in that direction whatsoever. Anything is possible, but that's one of the least likely things that could possibly happen. Now, that isn't to say Jair doesn't just do something crazy. He's like, I, I'm refusing to play, and I'm holding out, and I want more, and maybe he wants to force his way off the team. But that's a separate discussion. That is a completely different thing than what we're talking about. We're talking about the Green Bay Packers saying, oh, 20 million, we can't afford them. Of course they can. If the Packers are that hard up that they're looking at Jair going, mm, we can give him 15, that's about it, then the Packers are just, should just pack it up. Because we got a lot of really, ta- and by the way, again, get rid of all your picks. Just forfeit them, because what are you going to do with them? You can't afford anybody. Nonsense. Yeah, tra- trade all these picks and just take all of like the 5th, 6th, 7th round. Just take all of them. Take all of those picks. Just keep trading back until you have the entire 5th, 6th, and 7th round and get, you know, 7 or 8 fairly mediocre players. Because we can afford that. And we'll just load up with that talent. Every single team in the NFL, they're, they're, I mean, their number one goal is to draft a Jair Alexander. The Packers in particular draft and develop. This is, what they, this is what they do. This is why you put all this work in for the draft to maybe one day get a Jair, maybe one day get a Rashawn Gary, so that you can pay them when the contract comes around. It's like this whole weird conversation. I don't even understand exactly what the conversation is, but this whole weird thing about wide receivers and, boy, it sucks that you didn't draft him in the first round because now you don't get that fifth-year option or something, so now you have to pay him. So what? So pay him. 
Yeah, but if you had that, if you had the fifth year option, what? Then what? What, you don't have to pay them? Of course you do. First of all, they're not going to want to play under the fifth-year option. They're still going to give you a hard time. But even if you give them the fifth-year option, guess what? You're just delaying a year, and they're going to get more expensive next year. If Debo Samuel gets paid this year, he's going to get paid a lot of money. I don't know what, 27, 28, I don't know. And it sucks that you have to pay him. But what do you think it's going to do, go down next year? If he had a fifth-year option, and they're like, sorry, you play on the fifth-year option, he goes, oh, shucks, and then they play. Then that 28 goes to 30. Is that better for them? So what are we talking about a fifth-year option for? The, the, and, and the other weird thing about it is people make it sound like, oh, man, we could have got a fifth year out of them, as though like the plan is we got to get rid of them because we can't afford it. Like, where does all this come from? They're going to get paid. Now, wide receiver is the one that's really weird because they are so massively over, over, overpaid right now that if, if a team were to be sort of like the Packers or whatever that was, let's just say, wise assuming there's other teams outside of Green Bay. And again, they did try to pay Devontae, but there's got to be some teams out there going, I'm sorry, he's just not worth that. There's no way. But the the whole fifth-year option conversation is odd to me from the standpoint of that changes anything. It doesn't change them being on or off the team, and it doesn't change at some point having to pay them a massive amount of money. The only difference is you pay them less on the fifth year and more on their sixth year because the salary cap is just going to keep going up and the prices just keep going up. In addition, the, um, there is no question that wide receivers are overvalued. And, and I think as a result, and, and this is similar with the economy, this is the same thing that happens within the economy is, you know, one of the things, there are certain politicians that, for example, like when gas prices are high because it will push us in the direction of renewable resources, right? We don't need to get into the politics of it, but that is sort of a, a thought that's out there. It'll push us toward electric cars and all this other stuff. And that's, that's true of a lot of different things, right? Uh, raise the minimum wage too high and McDonald's suddenly is, is, you know, instead of going to the counter to ask for food, you go to a kiosk. Instead of having somebody check your groceries, now you have robots doing everything for you, right? You got to go check out your own groceries and all this other stuff. And now there's only one lane open at every, gra- gas, uh, every grocery store. That's like a line around the block, and that's becoming like the, the handicap aisle or something. Like if you're too stupid to do your own groceries, I guess go get in that super long line over there with like the, no offense, the oldest lady in the history of the world that doesn't move very fast at all, or the 17-year-old that just doesn't care about life going as slow as is humanly possible. So it's like, fine, fine, I'll check out my own stupid groceries. Even though you have the tiniest little table to put all my stuff on, and I can't fit all my stuff on it. And if I try to move my stuff, then it's like, oh, you took, the, you took your stuff off. I understand. I don't have my thing on there anymore because it fell on the floor and broke because there's nowhere to put all my stuff. Except that Walmart, they just stopped carrying. They're like, oh, you can just take your stuff off, put it in another cart. I don't care if you steal stuff, it's Walmart. Anyways, point is, when prices get too high, there's an adjustment. And the adjustment in the NFL has to be we have to get away from wide receivers. There's, there's, two, I mean, there's two things. Number one, you draft them to be able to get the talent, which is what the Packers are presumably going to do. But beyond that, you move in a different direction. If they're overvalued, you move in the direction of what? Running backs, tight ends. What did we just say is undervalued? Offensive line. We know running backs are dirt cheap. Tight ends still don't make any money. And I know I'm going way off, way off base here, but, but just hear me out for one second. I was, I was reading a book. I know, crazy, right? 
and I've already decided that understanding scheme and all that stuff, my brain just isn't wired that way. I'm never going to be a coach Han. I mean, I want to understand things as best as I possibly can, but I just can't wrap my head around some of this stuff. But it was a, it was a pretty much a, a basics kind of book or whatever, but they were talking about way back in the day, like how all this stuff started, wing T and all this kind of stuff. And the most interesting part of that for me was um, they had talked about it's not as though the NFL has evolved necessarily and that the offenses today are just better than, for example, the the wing T offense and that that offense can't win. It's just that we've evolved to this and this is just what we do now. But the consensus is you can still run that and dominate with that. I think the notion, or I don't think this is this is what was said, the notion that those offenses can't win and, and we've just evolved into better offenses today isn't necessarily true. We have better players, not necessarily better offenses. It's kind of similar to, you know, college has certain things that are dominant that maybe just aren't going to work right now in the NFL, but they, they still can work. It's, it's college is actually pretty, and high school is pretty interesting because it kind of proves that concept because you have all kinds of stuff, including teams that run archaic offensive systems. And the reason it's interesting is because they win games. Same with college. They run futuristic stuff and win. They run old school stuff and win. It's, it's this really cool blend of vastly different offensive and defensive systems, and they can win and lose with them. You know, you've got some pro-style teams, and it's not like, well, if you run a pro offense, then you're just going to dominate. Not necessarily. The point is, I wonder if, if this forces a correction, because it feels like it has to. If you're telling me I can get two elite tight ends for the, for the price of one wide receiver, and literally you can, at 15, a $15 million tight end is a good tight end. Might not be the best tight end, but that's a good tight end. And say, same is true with quarterback. I mean, if you think about it, and, and we have a coach that can do this. If you think about the 49ers, what do they do? They win with dominant offensive line play. They have an elite tight end who, by the way, is paid $15 million a year. So I was wrong about it's not the best tight end. It literally is. The best tight end is half the price. And by the way, tell me this. Is George Kittle half the value of Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill? That's, a, that's an absolute joke. It's a joke. I think the NFL is foolish if there isn't a correction. You're telling me I can get two George Kittles for the price of Tyreek Hill? If anybody on planet Earth takes Tyreek Hill over two George Kittles, they're an idiot. And so the, the, the point is, and you look at even teams like uh, the Patriots who covet cornerback over edge rusher, and, and again, the analytics community it isn't unanimous, but they seem to be very strongly in the favor of corner is more important than edge rusher. It may just be that the Patriots are not only understand that corner is more important or, or value defensive back more than defensive line, but it could also just be a value thing. How do you get the most value for your dollar? Well, you stay away from, and I don't mean entirely, but you stay away from overpaying the overpaid positions, edge rusher and wide receiver, and you load up on corner, offensive line, which is entire, I mean, tackle is underrated. And, and when we talk about guard and center, don't even get me started. It's a joke. Tight end is paid nothing, and quarterbacks are overpaid. But again, look at the 49ers. Tight end, $15 million. Highest paid tight end in football, George Kittle, $15 million. Pennies compared to what wide receivers are paid. Good offensive line, mediocre quarterbacks. Look at the Rams, similar kind of system. Who are their edge rushers? I mean, they got Von Miller last year, but they've never had edge rushers. Wide receivers, they've had good wide receivers. I mean, again, this last cycle when they went all out and, and got a bunch of guys, they went out and got a guy, not the highest paid by a long shot, but they got a guy. But they've never had the $25, 28000000 million type wide receivers. They've never had the elite edge rushers. They had really good DBs. 
really good offensive lines, best defensive tackle in football, and they do a great job. And they didn't get a top-tier quarterback. They got a good enough quarterback. And so, I mean, this is not to knock Aaron Rodgers. And obviously, a, an elite quarterback is better than a decent quarterback. And an elite edge rusher is better than a decent edge rusher. I mean, it's always better to have better. But we're just talking about value because we have a salary cap. And when you have a $50 million quarterback or whatever his price happens to be on a given year, you have less money to spend in other places. And again, if it comes down to, you know, elite offensive line and tight end or mediocre this, that, or the other and a couple wide receivers or a wide receiver and a quarterback, but garbage offensive line and no tight ends and, you know, I mean, I, running back, I guess, is pretty free. But just the, the, the value per dollar is just not there at the quarterback and wide receiver position. And, and, and it seems, again, the NFL is just dabbling, right? You've got a couple teams that are kind of doing it already, but the NFL still just like, no, we got to do wide receiver quarterback. You got to get that one quarterback, one wide receiver, and you're set for life and nothing else matters. The Chiefs, right? Give me Tyreek and Pat Mahomes and who cares about the rest? We don't need an offensive line. We don't need a defense. We don't need anything. Just give me Pat Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. That's it. It's basically what their team was for years. <laughs> and I guess it worked. But I, I just, I, I can't help but feel like there needs to be a course correction. And we'll see what happens with other, other positions. I mean, maybe the next time a tight end gets paid, he's going to get 22 or something. Like, there's going to be a massive jump. I don't know exactly where each position market is at this moment in time. Kittle was paid two years ago, right? So who knows? Maybe, maybe if Kittle got paid today, it would be 23. I don't know. But I mean, th- these are the conversations I'd be having if I was a GM. We need to change the way we're doing things. Because the wide receiver market is out of control. And that doesn't mean you don't have wide receivers. You try to draft the best you can. Um, but I would absolutely be doing what the Packers are doing at wide receiver. If you, if you can find a guy for $4 million, I mean, what is $4 million compared to what the top of the market is? It is, such, it is a fraction of a fraction. I know nobody's excited about Sammy Watkins, but the, the value of, that we got for Sammy Watkins is better than just about any wide receiver that's been gotten in this entire little cycle we've been through. I mean, unless the guy gets hurt prior to the season, which is possible, it's also possible for Devontae and the rest of these guys. But again, the the odds of Sammy hitting $4 million in value for the Packers is better than just about, I mean, again, MVS is, there's almost no chance he hits $10 million in value. Tyreek even. How do you, how does a wide receiver give you 30 million? What do you have to do to earn $30 million? I don't even know. What, 2,000 yards and 15 touchdowns or what? 30 million freaking dollars, dude. I, I don't know how you even hit that. Again, if the best lockdown corner in the NFL is worth 20, what in the heck does a wide receiver have to do to make it worth 30? I don't even know. So I don't know. It'll be interesting. And, and, and again, it's so wildly out of control. There has to be a market correction somewhere. I just don't know what that amounts to. Maybe it means teams are less interested in wide receiver in the draft. Maybe it means more because they want to get guys on cheap contracts, or maybe they just, again, want to build in a different direction. Wide receivers are overvalued positions, and we need to learn to build a team that is not wide receiver dependent. So again, does that mean you you get a guy in the first round that's super talented and you plan on moving on before their contract hits? Or does that mean we start stacking up offensive line and tight ends? And, you know, you just run the ball and you throw to your tight ends. I mean, you make it work with the wide receivers you have, but we're not looking for that guy that's going to get a $32 million contract or $35 million contract in five years when this guy's contract hits. I mean, why build in a direction that you're going to give up on? Why draft a guy that you're probably not going to want to pay in five, six years when his contract comes up? Build in a different direction. 
I mean, again, the, the value of a tight end is so unbelievably low, not just in terms of their contract, but look where they get drafted. I mean, I understand it's not a deep wide receiver class or, or tight end class or in terms of top end talent, but if, if, if the tight ends were wide receivers, there'd be a couple, wide, a couple of those guys that go in the first. Trey McBride would be in the first round. Some of these wide receivers we're talking about, they're not that special. Trey McBride is special. If you look at his size, speed combination and all that stuff, I mean, he just is. A lot of these guys, a lot of these tight ends are, are freaks, as opposed to the wide receivers that are, that are good. You know, Traylon Burks seems like he's going to be a good wide receiver, but there's nothing super special about him other than he's a massive running back, which again, we've seen dozens of these guys come into the NFL and fail, with the exception of maybe two. I'm not trying to downplay, I'm just saying, it's, it's, we, we have gone wide receiver crazy. And, I, and the point is, I don't know what the NFL is going to do to, um, to adjust to that, but something has to happen because it's gone wildly out of control. And it'll be interesting to see what that looks like because they have to bring the value of that down. And the only way you do that is to, to turn away from the need at wide receiver. The, the reason they're getting all the money is because wide receivers have, have basically called your bluff. Teams have gotten to the point where their, their entire identity is wrapped around having good wide receivers and the wide receivers know it and they're milking these teams for everything they're worth. You are nothing without me. You are nothing if you don't have that elite wide receiver. You freaking need me, and I'm going to milk it for all it's worth. And that's why we saw the most ridiculous contracts in the history of the NFL. So be a team that doesn't need that. It's the only way the number comes, I mean, not physically down, but you, you, you slow the pace of it. Let the rest of the NFL catch up to the wide receiver contracts. So I don't know. Just my musings, I guess. But if it's me, I'm just, I'm not playing ball with this. I think it's gotten too out of control and I'm not, I'm not getting wrapped up in this hysteria because I'm sorry, I value safety and corner and defensive tackle and offensive tackle and guard and center and, and, and tight end and running back too much to say, I guess all of those take a back seat to wide receiver. I, no is, is my answer to that. No is my answer to that. I will not forego every other position for a wide receiver. No. This is a team sport. You need all these positions. And just because fans and, and some teams and I guess offensive systems have gone so unbelievably wide receiver crazy, and maybe it's because you got teams like Tampa Bay who loaded up on like three elite wide receivers. They ended up being basically elite and won a Super Bowl. And the rest of the teams are like, well, I guess we need three or four, which, you know, supply then goes through the roof because if 32 teams have one and they want three, yeah, that's going to make the value go up. But again, you have to be a different, because there's not enough. There's not enough wide receivers. I don't care how much money you have. There's not enough wide receivers. You have to build in a different direction. It's not going to work. You have to be different. If you're not going to be different, then you're just going to get caught up in what everybody else is doing. And by the way, this is how you surpass everybody. Let everybody else make stupid decisions. Be the one team that doesn't make stupid decisions, and you end up automatically, by default, on top. Because what are these teams that are spending too much at wide receiver going to have to do? They're going to have to dump players. They're going to have to dump their offensive linemen, their tight ends, because they can't afford them. You need to be the team that raises your hand and says, oh, I will absolutely take that guy right there. I, I, I will, yes, you're an idiot. Give me that guy. Do you have the money? Yeah, we have plenty of money, because we don't pay $30 million to freaking wide receivers. <laughs> and yes, by the way, we have $20 million to pay cornerbacks, because we value cornerbacks, because they're ridiculously important. One of the most important positions on a football field. $20 million? Are you kidding me? That's nothing. That's chump change. Again, tight ends are worth almost $20 million at this point, which again just shows you how wildly undervalued cornerback is. Two years ago, the tight end market was $15 million. I guarantee you it's at least 17 right now. And we're hemming and hawing about 20 for a corner. Get out of my face. This is... 
I don't know. I have, I, I've said enough. We're good. I think we should take a break. How about that? On the other side of the break, I want to do uh, some Patreon questions. I asked for some, uh, I asked for questions. I got questions. That's what we're doing. Uh, first of all, big shout out to uh, Mr. David Davis for upping his pledge. Went up to the $10 per month tier, but he's paying by the year, so it's a big number, and I appreciate that. We like the big numbers over here at the Packernet Podcast, so thank you very much for that. As always, please remember the GoFundMes that we've got. I'm going to be running these GoFundMes until the start of the season, and I really, really hope that we can close these out before we get there. Uh, We've got Drew's GoFundMe that is pinned to the top of my Twitter. We are at $4,092, trying to get to about $7,500. So if you've got anything available, it would be very, very greatly appreciated if you can give uh, to Drew. We've also got the Jamie and Carter uh, GoFundMe over at the Packernet Podcast Facebook group. We are at $9,140, trying to raise $10,000. So we are almost done with this one. If we could just get that final push, that would be greatly appreciated. So go check those out if you have a little bit of extra scratch. Also, don't forget about A Modern Frontier. Great place to buy all your meat needs. A Modern Frontier. Use promo code MEATPACKER. That's one word, all caps. You get $25 off your order. We'll take a break, and we'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. We got our first question here from Nevin. Nevin says, is there any chance either Linderbaum or Penning are there at 22? If not, where do you see them going? As much as fans media are screaming for wide receiver, I think one of these two would make a greater impact in 2022. So again, I don't necessarily disagree. Um, As I've been saying, when the Packers lose, it's not because of a lack of wide receivers. It's been a lack of offensive line and defensive line. I mean, Aaron Rodgers' play declines because he's constantly under duress. You know, we had wide receivers that were wide open. Aaron Rodgers didn't throw to them. Why? Because he's in panic mode. Why? Because he's 
scared for his life behind that offensive line. So he's thrown in triple coverage to Devontae instead of to two wide open receivers who he didn't see because rather than going through his progressions, he looked up, saw Devontae, and just said, meh, that works, and threw it. We're not losing for a lack of wide receivers. We're losing for a lack of offensive and defensive line. We can't get pressure on the opponent. This wasn't necessarily the case last year because the defense did a good job. But we, we either or, well, one thing for sure, the last three years, the biggest failure has been offensive line. Defensive line was a close second, maybe even slightly more so, what, two years ago or whatever, or three years ago, whatever. 2019, brutal. But the offensive line has failed us three years in a row. So again, I, I, I don't mind the idea that we certainly need wide receiver because we do. There's no question about it. But um, yeah, offensive line, despite the fact, I know everybody likes our offensive line and they're like, no, it's fine. We don't need anything. Again, take it up with the playoffs. We can't, for, for three straight years in a row, we cannot run the ball, and Aaron Rodgers is constantly on his back. The offensive line has failed three years in a row. So I agree. Yes, I, I think that is a, and, and, and uh, what can Aaron Rodgers do? Assuming we're going to add to the wide receiver room on top of the guys we have, what can he do with a clean pocket and he can just stand there all day long? You know he's going to pick teams apart. And then add into that, what if we have an offensive line that can really run block very well? And we've got running backs that are just carving people up because that's been a pretty big struggle for us. We have two extremely talented running backs that haven't done very much because our offensive line can't run block to save their lives. So I, yes, I'm still on the offensive line is more important than wide receiver train. It's why when Devante's out, we're seven and zero. because I'm sorry, it's not as big of a need as we make it out to be. And I'm not going to go back into our, it's ridiculous to pay $30 million for a wide receiver thing because we did that the whole first half of the show. But yes, I would love some help at offensive line. And yeah, I understand David Bakhtiari is a big part of that, but still, injuries happen. And it wasn't just David Bakhtiari. By the way, he was part of the problem. He ended up getting pushed around in a couple of these games also. Um, Is there any chance that these guys are available? There is a chance. There's some speculation that Linderbaum doesn't even go in the first round, which again, sounds crazy, but it's a very strong... I mean, if you listen to the last uh, draft episode on this network, it's always draft. They were talking about that and how that's kind of a thing that's being talked about. So it is entirely possible that he's there. Penning sounds less likely, but you know, you, you, we're in what's known as lying season. And so all these reports about teams loving Penning, especially the Ravens and all that stuff, I don't think he's going to make it, but who knows? Um, the, the, the bigger... Th- thing I think especially for tackles there's really not that many good tackles I mean you got the top three that are probably going to go early and then after that if you need a tackle I mean you're kind of just looking at penning and then going I don't know now there is a massive uh hype train for Tyler Smith he's been flying up the boards in fact he is now uh, on the consensus board ahead of Bernard Raymond um I know they were also talking I think it was on um the draft show I'm not positive but talking about how Tyler Smith seems to be a first round pick at this point so he may be there but again you've got Outside of the top three, you've got Trevor Penning, who's northern Iowa, Tyler Smith out of Tulsa, and Bernard Raymond out of central Michigan. I mean, these are all small school prospects that are, you know, there's massive question marks for a lot of different reasons. And so, you know, on top of age with Bernard Raymond, um, it's just hard to believe that if somebody really likes one of these tackles, they're not going to take them because it still is a valuable position, clearly. And um, there's not a ton of great options. But again, Linderbaum... I mean, interior offensive line is massively underrated. I mean, some teams will take them in the first round. Um, Packers, I don't know if they're one of those teams, by the way. They, 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 um, they may not, even with Matt LaFleur 
and a um, offensive line guys that are basically running our offense right now. We'll see how much pull they have, because I'm sure if Linderbaum is there, you've got a bunch of coaches that are screaming for him, but it's still up to Brian Gutekunst on how to build this team. Um, he is the consensus number 23 pick, so according to the consensus, according to a lot of the rumors, um, he should be available. And I know a lot of Packer fans would probably be upset because they're going to say, well, he's a center and we don't need a center. It was a stupid pick. But uh, again, I think Tyler Linderbaum has um, unique ability. And I think if it wasn't for the fact that he's being pigeonholed as number one, a guy with short arms, and number two, purely a center that purely has to play in one style of, one style of offense and can't do anything else, he probably would be a lot earlier. I mean, based just on tape. He would be a guy that I don't think he goes top 10 because he's an interior guy, but I think he's top 10 in terms of his talent. And I don't think he goes much further than top 15. He probably won't anyways, but if he does slide, that's why. It's number one, the obsession with other positions, you know, the urgency at tackle, the obsession with wide receiver, some teams reaching at quarterback, which is, I don't know if there's even a first round talent quarterback in this draft class, but there may be three, possibly four that go. Um, big pile of edge rushers, which, you know, there are a lot of talented edge rushers and it's a premium position. So, I mean, there's reasons like that that could cause Tyler Lindebaum to fall. And again, if you're the smart team, you look at it and say, I just want the talent, right? Yes, there's more premium positions. Yes, we have a bigger need at wide receiver, but is Tyler Linderbaum a better interior offensive lineman than Traylon Burks is a wide receiver? I think the answer to that is yes. And if it is, I think you should take Tyler Linderbaum. Now, that also comes with the caveat, can he play guard? Or Josh Myers, can he play guard? If not, then I guess, I guess we can't take him. That has to be a consideration. But Ty- Tyler Linderbaum's a weird one, man, because uh, at least with Trevor Penning, when you hear about how elite the guy is, and you know he's got the elite athleticism and just the nastiness and everything you'd want in an offensive tackle, especially a guy that you'd want to play at right tackle, elite everything. And goes to the senior bowl and dominates, which is a great sign because it's, you know, a small school guy. You want him to go up against top competition and dominate, and he did. At least then you could understand, like, well, he's kind of smaller school or whatever. But Tyler Linderbaum, it's hard to understand the slide for him. I mean, generally, when you talk about generational talents, like people talk about Tyler Linderbaum, it's like, okay, so he's going to go early, right? It's like, nah, he might fall out of the first round. Like, really? Yeah, he's got kind of short arms, like Travis Kelsey. (laughs) Okay. Well... Okay, then. I'll tell you what would be pretty awesome is if we got him at 28. Um, second part of the question, if not, where do you see them going? Again, the, the assumption is Trevor Penning is gone by 14. If he makes it to the Ravens at 14, he'll be gone by then. As for Linderbaum, where could he go? <sighs> I mean, if we erase the part about we assume he's going to slide and, and say how early could he go, I mean, you, you could look at Seattle at 9, maybe Minnesota at 12. I mean, again, probably not because there's other needs, but you still you look at teams that could absolutely use the guy. Houston needs everything. Baltimore, Philadelphia, clearly with, you know, replacement for the guy that everybody comps him to. They've got two picks at 15 and 18. One of them could easily be him. New Orleans Saints, potentially. I mean, there, there aren't really too many teams that you look at and go, they don't need interior offensive line. I, I don't know... I mean, maybe there's a team out there, but I don't know that there's too many teams where you go, they got two great guards and a great center, right? Pittsburgh, their offensive line is completely falling apart. New England would love to have that. Packers could clearly use it. Arizona, I'm just going down the line, pretty much every team, it's just a matter of how much do they like the guy and how much do they need it, as opposed to their other needs. So, I mean, he, he could go just about anywhere, despite the fact that everyone's saying there's only like a select few two or three teams. Mm. 
at the same time, as much as that may be true, there's not really any team on here where if they went, you just look at it and scratch your head and go, I don't understand that at all. Why not? Jason didn't have a question so much as a show idea. And as he said, it's going to take some time. So I can't really address it now. He wants to know some late round options at each position. He's correct. That would take a very long time to start putting that together. And really the, the, the complication with stuff like that is that you can kind of just throw a dart at anybody in, in the later rounds. You know what I mean? I mean, I'd, every late round option is a late round option, right? I mean, I could, I could look at six, seventh round guys with high RAS scores, um, maybe guys that have special teams ability. I don't know. Again, it's, it's something to work on, but I mean, they're late round guys for a reason. And so, yeah, you can pick pretty much anybody. But I'll look into it. We'll see. Steve says, okay, you are the Packers GM. Is it truly important to get a wide receiver or two in the first round, or should we look at offensive line, defensive line, safety, and or edge as our highest need and do wide receiver later in the rounds? So this is probably going to sound like a cop-out, but I just don't, and I've, I've been saying this since forever, I don't approach the draft this way. And I don't think the Packers or very many teams approach the draft this way. I don't know what we're going to pick until it's getting close to our pick. No idea. The question is, who's available? I think a lot of fans have this notion, and I've even seen this, where it's like, well, we're going to have to trade up for a wide receiver. Like, why? Well, because if you want a wide receiver, you got to trade up. Well, who says I want to, I need a wide receiver? I mean, it's like the, the, the whole point of this draft is just so that we can get three wide receivers, and that's the only thing that matters. No, my goal is to come away with some studs. I'm trying to work this draft so I can squeeze some, some really great prospects out. I don't, I don't know what position we're going to draft. I have no idea. I mean, I have some targets. But you cannot pigeonhole yourself into this is what we're doing. And so I'm not going to do either. I'm not going to say we have to get a wide receiver or two in the first round. And I'm not going to say we don't need a wide receiver because we can go later. So let's get offensive line, defensive line, safety, or edge. I'm not doing any of that. If Garrett Wilson is available by pick 16, we're probably talking about trading up or 15 or 12 or whatever, right? Not because we predetermined that, but because he should have been gone by now. And based on his value, it's worth trading up and getting him. If there's a massive run on wide receiver, we maybe wanted a wide receiver, but at this point, the value isn't there. We're going in a different direction. Fortunately, by there being a wide receiver run, there's been some talent that has been pushed to us. Maybe Trevor Penning, maybe Tyler Linderbaum, maybe some of these edge rushers, maybe some of these safeties that are seen as sort of late first, early second round prospects, but maybe we have a top 15 grade on some of these guys, and so we take them. I don't, you know, part of the issue is I don't know what their board looks like, but I know that their goal is to get a if at all possible, get a top 15 prospect out of this draft. Top 10 would be even better. What position that is doesn't matter. If you can get a top 10 prospect at pick 22, that's what I'm going to pick. And I don't care what the position is. I just want really, really good players, period. Now, where this conversation comes into place and why you would have these conversations of of all these different things is when you start talking about the tiers, right? Because it's not just necessarily a linear board where we have number 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, all the way down to 22. And then when it gets to 22, we just take the highest guy. What you're going to have is tiers. And what you maybe will have, or probably I should say will have, and again, when you're talking 22, you're hoping for that top 10 guy or that top 15 guy that's available that's on that next level tier. So then it's an easy decision. And again, it doesn't matter the position. If there's one guy on a tier by himself, that's the guy we pick, period. Now, if you have another tier, with four guys on it, and you have a wide receiver, a tackle, a defensive tackle, and a safety, or an edge rusher. That's when you have the conversation of what do we want to do here? Number one, we could possibly trade back and and get some compensation and let 
them decide for like if we can move back three spots or even four spots there'll be one guy available and we picked up an additional you know third or something i don't know what we get for moving back four spots late second maybe i don't know but the other option is we start having these discussions should we wait on wide receiver because we can get one in the second round and maybe take that tackle because we're not getting another one yeah i think that's a fair plus we have pick 28 you could also discuss who's most likely to make it to 28 or, or maybe who's least likely and take that guy. There's, there's a lot of different ways you can look at that. What is our biggest need? What can we not do without? Who's not going to make it to 28? What positions are completely thin, like offensive tackle? If there's one guy left on your entire board that you think can start today, that's the position I'm taking. Right? We know there's guys in the second round, third round at wide receiver that we think, hey, that guy could be a stud. There's no tackles that we're looking at that are third round guys going, oh yeah, that, that dude will start for sure. Zero. I mean, in the second round. There just aren't. So yeah, I mean, if, if a guy like Penning is there and we love him and he's going to be a, an elite right tackle, 100% I'm going to take him because I can still get Traylon Burks, I can get George Pickens, I can get Alec Pierce, I can get Jahan Dotson, I can get all these guys at 28 and in the second round and et cetera. Et cetera. And guys, again, beyond that, that we still like and believe can be strong contributors. Now, I don't, again, I don't know what their conversations will be and, and how these things will pan out. And maybe that's why the Packers don't take wide receiver as often is because when you start looking at the tiers, I mean, if you've got an edge rusher there, if you've got a defensive tackle, if you've got a, an offensive tackle, these are positions where generally if you draft outside of the first round, you're not going to get a very good one. Defensive tackle, offensive tackle, edge rusher, quarterback, not a lot of real good prospects falling out of the first round. Wide receiver, linebacker, um, interior offensive line, tight end. I mean, that's that's a crapshoot. A lot of these positions you can get outside of the first round and still get really good players. So again, maybe maybe that is why it's been the way that it's been. There's been wide receivers that they like that are on that tier, but we're going to wait because we can. But I don't know exactly how that conversation would go because it it uh, it largely depends what their board is. It doesn't matter what the mock draft simulators say. It's irrelevant. And it's, it's our dependence, and I'm not saying Steve is doing this, I'm just saying it's generally our dependence on these mock draft simulators and the consensus big boards that leads us to believe the Packers are idiots because they have a different board. Oh my goodness, go figure. Every team has a different board than what the mock draft simulators say. And they're going to stick to their board, go figure. They're not going to do all this work over all these many months and then go, yeah, but the mock draft simulators over at the draft network seem to think this would be the best pick. Nobody cares. You guys on to say, personally, I really think we need help at offensive tackle more than anything else. Protect Rodgers so he has time to pass and open holes for Dylan to run through. Agree 100%. Finally, Kurt says, prediction time. How many trades do the Packers make in this draft? How many in each direction? I'm guessing they'll be very active with three overall, two up and one down. That's kind of exactly where I was sitting at. Um, my contention was that they would make nine picks. Now that wouldn't necessarily be true if they move back once, but just in my head, for some reason, they're trading up twice and they're, they're going to pick nine players. A trade back would add an additional player, presumably. I mean, I don't know you trade up could take multiple picks. A trade back could, could garner multiple picks for us, depending on, you know, whatever. And you could be talking about 2023, but that's just generally where my head's been at. We have 11 picks now. I think we make about nine. And so in my mind, we are using two picks to move up. But it would, be, it would seem kind of odd if we didn't move back. I don't know why. It just seems like something that we would do at some point. But maybe not. Maybe, maybe we're, we're looking to be much more aggressive. And who knows? I mean, there may even be more trade-ups than that. We maybe don't make nine picks. Maybe we make seven picks and just trade up a ton. But um, 
that's kind of where my head's been at for a while is two trade-ups. Probably one early, whether that's in the first round or the second round, because we have so much early capital especially. And then probably trade like a fourth or something, because that's just an automatic. We're always trading a fourth for something. Trade up in the third, trade up in the fourth, I don't know. But that just seems to be a thing we're constantly doing. And this year we have two fourth round picks, so it just makes all the more sense. But that's kind of where I'm at. So we'll trade up once early, which probably means we get three out of these first four picks, unless we use, we could use a third or a fourth for that early on. And then kind of a mid-ish round trade up is kind of how I see it. And then we'll just probably run through and get our fourth, fifth, and three-sevenths and just kind of make that what it is. It'll just kind of coast toward the end. Not usually a lot of trades in the seventh round because there's not really a lot of prospects that it's like, oh man, we got to get that guy. Sometimes, but not usually. So anyways, thank you guys for the questions. If you want to be able to uh, ask questions from time to time, get involved in the Patreons and whatnot, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. You can jump in for a buck a month. Be greatly appreciated. Otherwise, uh, that's it for today. Hope you guys have a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.